up, get out of bed, fill your cup and get ahead with WKGN. One, three, four, oh. Live from the White Claw Hard Seltzer Studios in Knoxville, it's the morning show on Fan Run Radio. Here are your hosts, John Reed and Bob Baskerville. Back in the booth, back on the airwaves, coming at you live from the White Claw Hard Seltzer Studios. John Reed, Bob Baskerville, Sam Beard, kick it off your week. It's Monday, February 26th. Sun shining. Well, no, hold on, hold on. Sun peaking. Not shining. Peaking. As we walked in the studio today, it felt good. Energy feels good. Spring is peaking. Close to springing. How are you, Bob? Doing good. Had a uh, had a busy weekend. Well, Saturday mostly. It was a long day. We uh, didn't play any ball Saturday morning. Didn't have enough numbers. Um, they decided that on Friday night. So, uh, but I still got to the gym and then uh, we did a surprise birthday party for some friends of ours that. It was a lot of work, but it was a great day. It was a lot of fun, and then rolled right into the Tennessee basketball game. So it was a great day, but it was very uh, hectic for a Saturday. So yesterday was wind down, which felt good, just doing a bit of nothing all day, watching a little TV, just catching up. So it was a good weekend. How about you? A little Sunday recovery action. Uh, for me, Saturday went up, checked out the checked out the new casino up in Bristol, shot a little dice. Casino, eh, dice tables are hot, though. I shot well. I saw some good dice, so that was good for me. And then, yeah, I watched Tennessee kick some ass Saturday night, recovered on Sunday with some TV and other things as well. So kind of similar. Sam, how are you today? I'm doing pretty well. Doing pretty well. Had a good weekend myself. Um, yeah, kind of took it easy Friday. I was kind of tired from the week, not feeling amazing, so... Took it easy Friday, played a little golf with some buddies on Saturday. Oh, how'd that go? It went well. Um, we played a little skins match that went that went overtime, so I didn't get to go to the Tennessee game, but uh, we had a good match out on the out on the golf course. So Did you win? I, I lost. We oh. we got to we basically I made a big putt to tie on eighteen and then we pushed we were playing a skins match, so we pushed a bunch of a bunch of skins there and then it went into a putting match to see who's the winner and Putting is clearly my my weakest part of my game, so I was I was down for the count after that. But you made a big putt on eighteen. I made a big putt on eighteen to tie it up and, and push a bunch. Yeah. How how big of a putt? How long of a putt? Um, it was like a downhill, like twelve footer. Oh. Like it was a tester for sure. Okay. Yeah, it was. I felt good to get that one. With the pressure on him, might as well have been eighteen yeah. feet. You know? Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Did you give a fist pump? Yeah. Did yeah. you do a tiger? <laughs> yeah, I did my best tiger impression for sure partner's like yeah come on Sam. that's what i'm talking about let's go <laughs> the kid that won he's you know like it was four of us and myself and two of my other buddies are pretty solid and then this other kid's not too great so we're like we'll give you a stroke a hole 
he ends up winning it and we're he's you know coming out of there like oh man i just beat these kids and we're like well you add 18 shots to your total if i was him i would make sure i don't get too good though i want to keep that advantage right right yeah he was feeling he played one of his best rounds he's ever played and we were on like the 13th hole he's like man i just feel bad about taking these strokes now i just want to beat y'all straight up <laughs> well sounds like a successful weekend yeah i think it's um Where'd you play at? Centennial. Okay. I've heard good things about that. That was the first time I've played it. It was pretty solid. Yeah, I mean, I'm not a golfer. I don't really know, but that's one of the ones I've heard of at least. Uh, back in the day when my son played golf in school, he they played at Centennial a couple mm-hmm. of times, so I'd go check it out. There's some there's a couple wild holes there. Yeah, there is some some strange ones for sure. Yeah. It's a fun little layout though. It was a little wet, but it wasn't too bad. Hopefully we got some more details about our upcoming golf tournaments and benefits, some local charities coming up in a couple of days. The tournament, of course, not coming up in a couple of days. That's April 20th, but hopefully we have some more information. Actually start taking signups this week, so stay tuned on air and on social media and online for that as we kind of get that ball rolling. Because like I said, spring is peeking out, getting close to springing. So we'll start gearing up for that. Excited for March Madness. It feels like it's right around the corner. You know, by the time it gets to the weekend, we're going to start playing some some gigantic games. On Wednesday, it begins there with some gigantic games. Conference tournaments not far away. March. March is just right around the corner. Always the, to me, I mean, for the sports purposes, it's, it's one of the best times of the year. But for me, February is like the worst month on the calendar to me like just weather wise and everything else although this month has not been bad here but i always love it when i I always start in like this morning i thought about it last monday in february man it's i'm just always happy to get past it growing up in the midwest where it would be gray literally for the whole month you wouldn't see the sun hardly um it's just uh march really is turning the page so it's exciting time yeah, February's not a great month, but I've always appreciated that it's a short month. True. It's not great, but it, it gets over pretty quickly. I've always appreciated that about it. It's usually even. Starts on a Monday, you just go four weeks. That's it. None of these extra days. A month should be 28 days. February does it right. None of these 30 or 31 trying to figure out what it is or start on a Monday, end on a Wednesday or Thursday, and just mess up everything. Nope. Starts on a Monday, ends on a Monday. It's honestly fair. Yeah. Why why aren't all months just 28 days? That's it. Well, I think it has something to do with the moon, Sam. I think. Do you know anybody whose birthday was uh, February 29th? I feel like I do, but now that you've asked me, I can't think of anybody. A couple people in school, I think, that I don't – Yeah. that I guess weren't standouts or – or friends after I left. But, yeah, I mean, I feel like we had a couple people that talked about it. I don't think I do, but I just saw an article. So, um, Tyrese Halliburton was born on the 29th. Oh. And so it's curious. So he's like seven years old. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's curious what happens every year, how you celebrate. I guess maybe you celebrate on the 28th. Well, what do you think you do, Bob? You either do the 28th or the 1st. You just pick. Yeah, or maybe you, you, you don't just, just skip a birthday. Every no, time. maybe he's thinking he's seven. You don't know. <laughs> You, you got to have some type of celebration. I'm imagining you just do it on March 1st, if I was guessing. Yeah. 
What do you mean, what do you do? You think you just pick a random day in July? <laughs> Spin a wheel. Today's my birthday. Want to go above or below the, the birthday? No, maybe that's it. Maybe you flip a coin every year. Well, that's the point. Is, yeah. it, is it a fixed date every year, or do you just kind of wing it? Like, hey, this is, it's a Saturday. Let's do, let's do my birthday this day. It's close enough. Well, that's what I was going to say, is I would guess that it's whatever's closest to the weekend. Yeah. Or further away from, like, Tuesday. No one wants to have a birthday on Tuesday. <laughs> no one wants to do that. You get invited to a birthday celebration where it's not actually their birthday that day, yeah. and it's on a Monday afternoon. Yeah, you don't want to do that. So whichever one's closest to the weekend, uh, I'm, or furthest away from Tuesday, if I was guessing. <laughs> That's how I would get down. So you came in here talking about, uh, you know, just before we get started into basketball, I, you said you watched TV on Sunday, and you told me as we were coming on the air that you were watching the new Walking Dead show. They're still making these? Yeah. Uh, Rick and Michonne, The Ones Who Live is what it's called. Spoiler alert, I guess I guess they made it through the original series. They did. Clearly. Didn't Rick die? No, he did not. He left? He, tr- he made people think he was dead. He without yeah. doing too many spoilers, although I guess it's been on for a decade, so whatever. But he got extracted, as it turns out, and he was being um, he was being watched by um, uh, an elite military unit. So there was a military unit the whole time watching the zombies. Yep, yep. And um, what a juggernaut that show used to be. Did you ever watch The Walking Dead, Sam? I never got into it, honestly. <laughs> Did you ever hear about it? Oh, yeah. I, I feel like a decade ago, or not, maybe not that long, but like seven years ago, it was... It was huge. It was one of the last like appointment television live tweets things that mm-hmm. people would do. And then it's like, I think everyone just kind of collectively, it's like, okay, enough of this. And then some people held on and kept watching, and then they eventually quit a season later. And the ones who lived... The ones who stayed and finished, Bob among them. <laughs> I think it went from like what, like ten million down to like you know one point five million or so. Yeah, it's and it's. I gotta admit, it was tough at the end of The Walking Dead proper. We'll call it. Uh, now they've got these spinoffs, and uh, I don't know. It was interesting. I watched the premiere last night. I don't know if I'll stick with it, but uh, yeah, that was the heyday though for AMC because not only you had walking dead they were coming off the heels of mad men which really was the one that kind of set the table for that network having some level of pop culture uh relevancy then walking dead came and then breaking bad they had some really good stuff for a little while and that's uh all they have right now is walking dead it's uh it's kind of uh falling apart because they even had better call Saul, but it's done now so uh yeah amc had a little brief moment where it was prestige tv and yep and, and going head to head with hbo what year did the walking dead debut well that's what i was gonna say I, or something like that that sounds about right it was like it's been a while i mean it's no not a joke to say it's probably been around 14 15 years yeah, something it feels like, like that it. and they've done spinoffs and they're horrible the ones uh, to the extent that i mean i watched like um, one or two episodes and would be like now nah, i'm done it's not going to be any good. 2010 for The Walking Dead. So, yeah, I was thinking that when you gave the timeline. Breaking Bad would have been before that, right? Breaking Bad was affected by the first TV strike in, like, 07, 08. So, yeah. it would have been ahead of The Walking Dead. Yeah. Maybe not in terms of when it became, like, a huge cultural right. phenomenon, if that's what you're getting at. Exactly. It took a couple seasons yeah. for that to work out. But Mad Men really teed it up. And you said you haven't watched Mad Men. No, nah, I still right? haven't watched Mad it's- Men. I'd highly recommend it. It's really well done. I don't know if I like John Hamm or not. Oh, come on. I don't know. He does such a good job of being a villain that I don't know if I like him. Oh, I love the hammer. He's uh, 
He's great. I enjoy, you know, the the pieces of art that he does. The movies I've seen him, he's in a lot of good movies, but he's always kind of the jerk in the movie, and I don't know if I want to watch a show centered around him. I assume is he still a jerk um, in Mad Men? Or no, is he supposed um, to be a good guy? He's he's a he's a good guy who has some moments where he's a jerk, but yeah. he he's uh, most guys watch and are like, man, Don Draper is his character's name. It's mm-hmm. like, man, Don Draper's a badass. Okay, see, I don't know if I want to watch it then. Um, he's plus he's funny, man. He's uh like he's the times he's hosted Saturday Night Live and done other stuff, he's great because he'll take on anything. He'll you know, and he well he was in Curb and he was good in that. Yeah, and he had a nice little cameo in the new Mean Girls musical where he's the creepy teacher, and I feel like he played that role well. You could see him as the creepy teacher. A little bit of trivia about Ham. You know, all those all those actors, they had to find, you know, some way to get started. I, I think about this when I think about your guy Cody out in, in Hollywood. Uh, Ham's first job was uh, as a fluffer in adult films. I was gonna say I thought he had a, an adult film background. I, I don't yeah. know if they'll let Cody on the sets of those. I, I, don't, I don't. I don't think that's a good idea. Nah, but just you know, you gotta do what you gotta do to get get started. You know. Plus, John Hamm, really, really attractive. Cody's not. <laughs> Cody's not. I think it's just he needs to quit playing cops. I, look, I think about him in the town. He's a jerk. And he then, was a jerk in the town for sure. I mean, even whatever role he was in, not, not a cop, I guess, but you know, he's the jerk in the new top gun movie just maybe enough of that maybe maybe be one of the good guys for once let me try that out john ham i don't know tennessee had a great weekend beat the ncaa baseball team got a sweep basketball team in first place in the sec we'll dive into it after the break it's the morning show here on fan run radio Tennessee back in first place. Still in the running for a one seed. Still looking for a final four. The sky's the limit for this team. I don't know if it felt that way for the first 16 minutes of action as it was a a, a mud fest. It was a slog. <laughs> Tennessee jumped out to an early lead. And you're like, okay, let's just blow these guys out. Let's make a statement. Let's make it easy. And then AM hit a couple threes. The next thing you know, you're fighting for your life. Like, is this really going to be one of those games like South Carolina where you just let them hang around, hang around, they get a lead, and you're just trying not to have a terrible loss? But no, no, no. At the Around the four-minute mark of the first half, Tennessee decided to hit the gas, and, and Texas A&M, well, their car couldn't go as fast. I was watching that, and all I could think about was – and, they, and I was texting you guys. The crowd was angry. I think they just came in with a vibe that, you know, this is payback time. And the way it started, it was so rough. So rough. And it reminded me of those videos we've seen on social media where you see uh, wrestlers trying to play basketball. You know, that they, they, they're kind of parody ones, you know, where they're, like, tackling each other. And, I mean, A&M, the, just watching that the A&M experience live it, we see it on TV to some extent but I mean those guys they're they I gotta, I gotta say man you can't say they don't play hard they they go after everything I mean they were just 
throwing bodies around, throwing their own bodies around. It was rough. And, I mean, the refs were not helpful either. I thought the refs were pretty pretty weak, particularly in the first half. But, like you said, John, once we hit about that, it was tied with four minutes to go, and things kind of turned. And I think Santee hitting that three at the end of the half was kind of a – it was just symbolic. It was kind of a dagger. Yeah, it was a nice sweat for Tennessee first half betters at six and a half. Six and a half point favorites in the first half. And Tennessee made that little spurt over the last four minutes. Santee capping it off with a three to go up ten. And then, yeah, came out of the gate in the second half and just absolutely annihilated them. You're right, though, Bob. The refs the refs missed the memo that this was going to be a street fight. And they came in and allowed it to be a street fight. And it led to a lot of anger and it led to a lot of fouls. I feel like... There were three or four plays just in the first half where guys were hitting the floor and getting ran over. That I thought they were obvious fouls. Instead, we're leading out to to fast break opportunities, and then the guys were getting tackled under the basket and weren't getting foul calls either. So, I will say at least it felt consistent in the first half. It was one of those where one team was a little bit more aggressive coming out. Texas A&M than Tennessee matched it, and I didn't really have any complaints with the officiating. But it did lead to a game that you thought, like, this is going to spill into a fight. This is going to spill into some technicals. This is going to spill into something bad, but Tennessee got out so big in the second half that, you know, Texas A&M kind of waved the white flag and said, okay, never mind, not going to fight. We're just going to take our, our, our whooping and head back to Texas. It got so bad, of course, that you saw the clip of, of their players just laughing on the sideline. Yeah, like, what, like, what the hell has happened here this is what I imagine the guy was thinking because you had Cam Carr come in and have a nice little breakaway dunk, and then they cut to the Texas A&M sideline, and they're just like <laughs> – <laughs> shaking their head like what the hell just happened here is as Tennessee dominated Tennessee's three best players were the three best players on the court and when you have the three best players on the court you win by 35 and I know Wade Taylor was supposed to be the player of the year in the SEC I know he was supposed to be a stud but he was the fourth best player at best on the court on Saturday because Dalton Connect Jonas Adu and Zakai Ziegler were all amazing. You know, Zakai was in control. Damn near had a triple-double. 9-9 nine, nine, and 14. He dissed out 14 assists with zero turnovers. I've called him, you know, at times when he has it rolling like that, Chris Paul. Then he came out and put a Rajon Rondo stat line up. And he's like, oh, I'll score by nine points. I'll, I'll – I'll grab nine rebounds and, oh, yeah, 14 assists, zero turnovers. I'm going to set the table for all of my teammates. They made 33 baskets. He made three. He assisted on 14. So 17. No, I messed that math up. No, you're right. Oh, yeah, 17. Okay, phew. 17 of the 33. So over half. Over half. That was an All-American line. For yeah, me that yeah. night. I mean, he. Uh, I, I'd say he'd be hard pressed to find any point guard in the country that did what he did Saturday night. He was, uh, he was amazing. The shooting was a little bit off. If you're going to nitpick on anything, but other than that, he was great. Um, and Wade Taylor, you're right. He was, he was a worry for about two minutes. He hit those three threes in a row, and I was like, oh man, are we going to start this all over again? But then he vanished after that. Those are the only three buckets he had, I believe. Yep, I think you're right. You know, Zakai, you know, you said the shooting wasn't great. Three for ten from the field. I'd like to know how many of those are just misses at the rim, though. I feel like he was really struggling at the rim. And 
you know, Texas A&M, Texas A&M's physicality. It wasn't like he was bombing and missing a bunch of threes like he did at A&M. Only one of four, but the one he did hit was so pretty. And I believe it kind of helps continue Tennessee's run of dominance and kind of help, you know, start really putting some distance between them in the second half. I don't mind if he went three for ten whenever, you know, you have 14 assists and zero turnovers and then add four steals to it. You know, at times I think his defense is a little overrated. You know, when you look at just the on-ball stuff, falling for pump fakes and guys shooting over him. But when he does get a couple of those backcourt steals, they're so deflating for the opponent and they're so energizing for Tennessee that you'll live with, you know, getting shot over on a couple of those. Yeah, Buzz Williams even said it in the postgame. Um, we'll, we'll hear more from uh, Shumpert later in the show when he joins us. But he was saying, he goes, I, I think – you know, you got to understand how underrated we we think Sakai Ziegler is just because of what he does to the just the the tempo and the vibe of the game. Just you know, he he brings it all the time. No, he's playing at a higher level than I thought he could get to. So you know, I got to take the L on that. I didn't think he could get to. Well, I mean, definitely not an All American level, but he should be. I would imagine on on first team All SEC. Maybe he gets bumped when you start adding some guys up. Maybe Taylor's still ahead of him. When you look at Sears and, and Dillingham and Reeves, like maybe it's a tight squeeze. I think he's played at a first-team level for most of the year, though. Whether or not he gets that rub, because I do think it's going to be hard for them to put three Tennessee guys on there. Right. And I do think Dalton connects a shoe in. And then I think if it comes down to Adu or Zakai, probably going to go to Adu. But I could see that... I, I could see a scenario where Zakai gets second team but wins defensive player of the year just because of the stuff he does in the backcourt. But he's an all-SEC type of player, and, and I do think he's had a first-team impact. Whether or not he actually gets that that nod and that accolade is yet to be seen. But Tennessee has three of the 15 best players in the conference. And I'm not sure if it's 15th or three of the top 10 teams or three of the top 10 players in the conference, excuse me. You can make that argument. Because those three guys were awesome. And I think that, you know, they, of course, led the way for that annihilation. Dalton connects a pretty easy 24 points on 14 shots. He missed his first free throw, I believe, the front end of a one-on-one, and then came out and made his next six. He grabbed seven rebounds. He helped out down there. And then Jonas. Jonas had moments where, you know, he was – where he was the best player on the court, you know, and he looked like the NBA prospect out there, and he looked like a potential all, you know, a potential SEC player of the year. That was kind of the dominant performance he had in stretches where, you know, he kind of capped it off with that really that posterization where he dunked over three A&M guys. Yeah, I, I was going to say, I, I was just going to bring that up. The 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 stare down he gave Henry Coleman afterwards yeah. was beautiful because, I mean, you got to believe he was getting beat up underneath and just – just stuck it to him, man. It was it was fantastic. It was said after the game that pregame Texas A&M players were really chirping Tennessee out on the court, and you know, I guess during warm ups and team huddles and stuff before the game, that A&M was really trying to give it to Tennessee and, and talk some trash, and and that Tennessee was not playing back into it. That Tennessee, I, I guess, took the mentality of a little play, do the talking. Jonas got beat up a little bit at A&M. You know, I don't I don't know. If it was all his fault, but of course the storyline coming out of that game was just Tennessee couldn't rebound against A&M. Tennessee got beat up. A&M was more physical than them. 
I can at least say that Jonas took that personally because I, I thought he played, you know, one of his best games, if not his best game of the season, of his career on Saturday. Yeah, and he was responsible for a lot of this, but him and, and Tobey, who delivered another great game, I mean, j- just to your point, polar opposite from what happened in College Station. You know, this is one – A&M is one of the top rebounding teams in the country – Tennessee out rebounds them 49-31, doubles them up on points in the paint 46 to 22. Um it was it was total domination particularly in that second half. I mean, god, it was great to watch. You know, the the rebounding has a lot to do with the team defense as well. Of course, there's going to be fewer opportunities to rebound for Texas A&M on the defensive end when Tennessee shoots 52%. And, of course, Tennessee is going to have a lot of chances when your defense holds A&M to 27%. But even if you just look at the offensive glass, yeah, like, I mean, it was 10 to 10. On the shots that were missed, Tennessee had fewer opportunities to get the offensive rebound. They gobbled up 10 offensive rebounds on 30 missed shots. That's pretty good. That's a pretty good rate. Right. It's a pretty good rate. If you if you go out and miss 30 shots and get a third of those uh, offensive rebounds – that's a successful night. It was just a domination. I mean, there's nothing you could say. that Those 24 minutes might be the best 24 minutes Tennessee's played all year. If you go from the four-minute mark in the first half to the you know the entire second half, you'd be hard-pressed to find a better stretch of basketball for Tennessee. Everything was clicking there. I thought of you between uh, Triple J and Santee. They had 14 points, 10 boards, 6 assists. Not bad. I'll take that. We're getting there. That's it'd be nicer to get 16, 18 points, but it's. I thought they both played pretty well. Um, Santi's still passing up shots, so I, I don't love that. But I thought Josiah played a, a really nice game. My biggest complaint with Santi is just even the shots that he does take. Nothing seems natural anymore. It's like he's a a baseball player who has a hitch in his throw all of a sudden. Yeah. They can't make the throw to second base without taking, like, three steps. Or may- maybe he is making every throw with three steps instead of just the hard hit ball. i got to turn this double play. I'm just going to immediately fire it out to to the shortstop to try to turn this. i got to get there. Can't Don't have time to think. Got to make this play. That was kind of the three-point in the first half, right? It was passed. No time for the herky-jerky pump fake yeah. jab step. It's catch and shoot. And made that one. Everything else is I get the ball on the perimeter and I'm going to overthink everything and I'm going to have six different moves instead of either A, keeping the ball moving with a swing pass, B, drive, or C, fire up a shot. It's I'm going to jab step, jab step, pump fake, sidestep. Okay, now I'm going to pass. That's my biggest complaint with Santee. I'm fine if he goes up there and has four four three-point attempts. I'm fine if he has five shots if it all seems natural. It's when it doesn't seem natural that it bothers me. And in, in, in the first half, especially for the first 16 minutes, Bob, it didn't feel natural for him. No. Nothing's felt natural for him all season, really. <clears throat> Few and far between. Sam, what were your thoughts on the game? We haven't heard from you yet. Yeah, I mean, I think it was the big men to me personally. I think, you know, you, you obviously go back to the matchup at College Station, and, I mean, they, they kicked your ass on the board straight up. And so I think having that performance from, from Adu and Awaka is massive. I think you – you go back two weeks ago and your big men combined for 11 points and eight boards, and then on Saturday you get a combined 30 points and 20 boards from those two. So I think that's just a, 
a massive reason why this Tennessee team uh, looked unstoppable. Hold on, hold on, hold on. First game they had what, 11 and 8? 11 and 8 combined, yeah. and they had 30 points and 20 rebounds on Saturday. Yeah, I mean, there's the story of the mm-hmm. game. I didn't fully realize – that was when we kind of just flushed, right? Whenever yeah. you got your – when you got dominated like that by a I told you, I was like, I usually I go back and watch these on Sunday to get another gri- you know, grasp on the game and look for some things, knowing what happened. I didn't even bother that with the A&M game. I was like, the story there was clear. You just got punked. So I don't know if I fully realized it was that bad where two guys who are very capable of having 11 points and eight rebounds themselves, right? Like, yeah. for them to combine there, you know, then you have, you know, Jonas have 18 and 14 on Saturday just by himself. Mm-hmm. A walk in 17 minutes has 12 points and six rebounds, so he almost equaled, you know, the the cumulative output by himself in 17 minutes. So yeah, that, that's that's the story of the game: 30 and 20. And you know, you get that just by going home and having a little bit more energy from the crowd, but you also get that because you've been thinking about it for two weeks. I think you could tell how big of an emphasis just rebounding was on this week. I mean, I texted in that game, like, when Tobey had that big board that got Polinski out of his seat on the sideline. Like, I think there were multiple plays during that game where the coaching staff was just proud of the effort on the boards. We're probably talking about the same one, but I let out an audible, whoa! Yes, I think we actually When he came yeah. flying out. Yes, you gotta be, you gotta be. Polinski was out of his seat a lot in this game. Yeah. I mean, he was actually working the refs a little. He was... Uh, he was definitely – any guy came off the, the floor, he was just jacking him up, you know, really talking to him and, you know, patting him on the behind and everything else. He was active. He Shout mentioned out to our he, boy G-Rag, bringing the energy. Yeah. yeah. Bringing the funk. Firing he mentioned up, that he's got to do a better – uh, At Food City Center. He, he said he's got to do a better scouting report, so I wonder if he kind of took that one personally from two weeks ago, you know? Maybe. I don't like, know hey, if I he wanna... had the A&M game two weeks ago. I know he said he had them this upcoming week. I would imagine that means he did have them on Saturday because I think they said they just rotate. Like one one on one on one yeah, off one type on, of thing. Off. So, you know, I would say he probably did take that personally. And well, maybe at the same time, Sammy looked at that and said, "Hey, it wasn't the game plan, True. Coach Barnes. True, it wasn't the problem. <laughs> we'll just execute better this time." Yeah, it wasn't like we didn't. We we knew we had to rebound. It's just we didn't do it. We got punked. But don't worry, we're gonna make sure we do that this time. And 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 they did, they did. Like I said, they they grabbed up. A third of their misses. That's all you kind of need to know. That was the effort they had. 50 total rebounds compared to AM's 33. Like I said, you know, one team had a whole bunch of misses, the other didn't, so the rebounding opportunity is going to be better there. But like I said, even if you just look at the, the offensive rebounds in, alone, Tennessee matched the physicality if didn't, if not exceed it. I thought it was a solid game. Uh, like I said, I, th- I think those 24 minutes that Tennessee had ending the first half and the entire second half was about as good as you could play as a basketball team. It was 24 to 24. You won by 35. You kind of understand why the Texas A&M player is kind of shaking his head laughing when you look at it that way. 865-546-8200 if you want to weigh in on the beatdown. 865-546-8200. We'll continue the conversation after the break on Fan Run Radio. Back in the White Claw Hard Seltzer Studios. 
only 100 calories on those delicious little white claws. I picked me up a 12-pack of just the black cherry. That's my move. And get the lime and mango and stuff. I had some peach out on the course. Oh, yeah? Mm-hmm. It is nice whenever you it's can good. just grab a couple of those when you're out actually in the sun. Back in my day, Sam, you didn't have those yeah. at the pool. No. You didn't have those <laughs> at the pool, and I don't drink beer. So my pool days when I was your age used to be either taking all the sugar from the straw burritas or just pounding liquor. And pounding liquor out in the heat, not a great idea. Not a great idea. Neither one of those were good ideas because the, the straw burritas, you'd get the big jumbo ones, and then by the time you finished one, you, you're having a, you know, going into a coma, a diabetic coma. So I know I talk about White Claw a lot, but I, I do drink it. I do appreciate it. It is a nice, nice thing to have. The only thing that existed back in the day was uh... – Zimas. You ever heard of Zimas? Yeah, no, I remember Zimas from when I was younger. And I think Zimas, I might even try a couple of those. You know, first time you try to drink when you're like 17 or 18, whenever, yeah. you're, whenever you're breaking the law and trying to test these out. I was like, ah, nope, gross, I'm good. Yeah, those are gross now. If you look back at those, uh, the, the stuff out there now, like White Claws, are, are tasty. Actually, I don't even know if I had a Zima. Maybe those went away by the time I was actually 16 or 17. But there were there were the Mike's Hard Lemonades and those things that similar. I don't know if I actually had a Zima, but I, I do remember them. Yeah. I don't remember when they went away, but I know they came back. But I do appreciate White Claw Hard Seltzer for their support and for keeping Sam standing up on the golf course. Because if you were out there just drinking liquor, the golf game would have gotten a lot worse. Mm -hmm. Tennessee finds himself in first place, Bob. Kentucky. Did the job for us. Kentucky, Big Blue Nation came through. C-A-T-S, cats, cats, cats. I can at least give them that after they dominated Alabama. Embarrassed Alabama. Shot 63% from the field for the game. Had 100 points at the seven-and-a-half-minute mark. I mean, that was uh... – Again, I had some other stuff going on in the afternoon. I, I started watching that game with about five minutes to go in the first half, and it was still relatively tight at that point. But, my God, man, Kentucky, that was good Kentucky. We saw it there. Just don't know what you're going to get with them these days. I mean, obviously, they were good Kentucky against Auburn and then had a had a letdown against LSU, but they were uh, came, came back to good Kentucky in the nick of time for Vols fans. And how about Nate Oates basically just saying in his post-game presser, I mean, I guess give him credit for self-awareness. He was like, hey, everybody knows we do, we, we're we bad at defense. We don't guard anybody. <laughs> it was like – and he was saying it like that's who we are. I'm not – kind of like not, not to the tune of we're going to work on that. It was like, <laughs> yeah, it just didn't go well today. They haven't fared well when they've played a top offense. Like, if, if they play an offense with a pulse, they are most likely going to lose. That's what's happened to them so far. You know, outside of, I guess, they were able to, to outlast and outscore Florida, who is playing like a top offense, you know, recently. But any, any other time, if they're going to play a top offense, they are going to struggle. That's how bad their defense is. Like, their defense is not serious. And I can't buy them as a serious threat because of that. Like, I'm going to have the utmost confidence of Tennessee, in, in Tennessee when they go to Tuscaloosa this weekend just because 
Alabama's bringing the 97th ranked defense. They're three and eight against teams with a top 40 Kim Palm offense and 16 yeah. and 0 against everybody else. Yeah. Three and eight. Do you know what the three wins are? Because I mean, I know one uh, of them's Florida. Load. Yeah, I can look. And that was a home game. But like when they go to Florida coming up, like I don't expect them to be able to beat Florida at Florida because they can't defend and Florida can score. You know, Florida's a top 20 offense. The other thing I didn't mention, Alabama shot 57% from the field yeah. and still lost by 22 points. Well, then they ended up with how many points? 95. Yeah, I mean, if you tell me they're going to shoot the way they did and hit as many threes as they did and score 95 points, yeah, I mean, almost any college basketball team in any scenario is going to win that game. Like, that, that's an outlier because of – I mean, obviously the pace and the lack of defense. But, yeah, I mean, not, college basketball teams don't usually score 95 points. So, you would think that would be enough to get it done. Not only did it not get it done, they got embarrassed. They scored 95 points and got embarrassed. They were down 37 at one point. 37 points. I did notice during that blowout they still had Mark Sears in there trying to get him some stats. Oh, yeah. Trying to get him a trying to give him a little stats. I didn't notice that because I would have waved the white flag a lot sooner than that if I was Nate Oates. I mean, literally, he was in with like about a minute to go. Yeah, no, I mean, he played to the bitter end. I don't know if that yeah. was a him trying to send a message of like, hey, you, you guys embarrass me. I'm going to make sure that you feel it and you're embarrassed and you're going to keep competing and blah blah blah. But like, at a certain point, you got to wave the white flag. He's lucky he didn't get an injury out there. Do you have the four wins, Sam, or are you um, the only three two? Wins, I guess. Yeah, I've seen. I, I think it's Kentucky. Or I'm, I think it's Florida and Auburn as the other. Yeah, Auburn's got the fifteenth um, ranked offense. Okay. I can't find the other here. Okay. And both of those are at home. Both of those wins are at home. Well, that doesn't make me feel great about you know Tennessee going there. What? What were the point totals? I mean, I know Florida yeah, those were, Florida should have won that game. Florida should have won. Two of those wins were by a combined nine points at home. So they beat Auburn 79-75. to 75, Okay. And then they beat Florida 98-93. In overtime? Yeah. yeah. Again, they should have lost. Okay, so both, both of those could have been opposite. Although I do remember, like, Alabama was up pretty big on Auburn. Auburn came back, if I remember correctly. I think you're right. That's what happens when you can't play defense. Yeah, they were up 14 at half against Auburn. So Tennessee has a upcoming schedule that's really tough. You know, I think I saw on the broadcast, they said it was the eighth toughest schedule in the country down the stretch. Are you worried about the schedule? Because I've always looked at it all year as a more so as an opportunity. I don't know if it's because, you know, you get Auburn – and Kentucky at home, the fact I'm not scared of going to South Carolina, and that, you know, the the Alabama game, it, it's, it doesn't intimidate me either. I think Tennessee has played fairly well at Alabama the last couple of years. And I don't know if they've necessarily won, but, you know, you go back to the game that Fulkerson missed a couple of years ago where, where Tennessee should have won that game. I feel like they haven't been afraid of going to Tuscaloosa. Bob, are you looking at this as a daunting task or as an opportunity? Oh, I think it's definitely an opportunity. I am uh, mostly concerned about the two Saturday games. Um, I'm not – for some reason, I don't expect Tennessee to just 
roll through Auburn on Wednesday. They may, but uh, again, Auburn's a little hobbled with Jalen Williams out. If Tennessee can't get up for that game going up against Bruce, um, I, I, I think that's a win. Um, and I think South Carolina's a win. Alabama does still worry me. I just I do think they can get they can get up for that game on Saturday night. And then Kentucky, you just don't know what to expect. I mean, Cal, you know, game's going to matter to Cal, I would think, just because it's against his buddy. And Bruce, or, uh, Barnes has kind of had the upper hand on, on Cal, too. So, but, but all in all, I would love to see them go 4-0. I think we all would, obviously. But And I think it's possible. I really do. I just – I don't have, you know, 100% confidence, namely about that Tuscaloosa game. But when we see what we just talked about with Alabama's lack of defensive capabilities, defense travels, our guys can play it, they can't. If the offense can just deliver to a degree of like what they did against A&M, even if it's 80% of that, they could win that game. I think that 3-1 and one still wins with the SEC. I think after, you know, Kentucky did you the solid this weekend, that three and one's probably going to get it done for you. Even if you lose to Alabama, because I think they have a loss at Florida looming. Okay, yeah. And if they lose at Florida, almost assuredly if Tennessee goes three and one, even with a loss to Alabama, they would still win the tiebreaker. Because I think South Carolina's got some losses left, and that Auburn should really only lose to us. So if Auburn's a three seed in the SEC tournament, or Florida's a three seed, or or even Kentucky, Tennessee should be in good shape there when it comes to the tiebreaker. So I think three and one's gonna get it done. Three and one gets you a two seed locked in. Three and one might even have you in the mix for a one seed, although I think at this point four and oh is kind of what you need to get on in, into that consideration. At least a realistic consideration. Back to Alabama real quick. I think also we need to keep an eye on Wednesday night. Uh, they're going to Ole Miss. And and Ole Miss is not as good as Alabama, but they're they're playing for their lives now. I mean, they are on the bubble at best. And they, maybe they could do us a solid, too. Has it been officially announced about suspension? Uh, you know, their player had that. Oh, Flanagan. That, Flanagan had that wicked elbow across someone's face. you got to believe something's coming. I would think that that might be a suspension for the rest of the year, honestly. That was at least, brutal. At least a regular season because that that was every bit of a punch. Yeah. That was every bit of a punch where he takes that elbow and just swings it, makes pretty good contact with it. At the very minimum, it's going to be a one-game suspension, so he won't play in the game against Alabama. But, yeah, no, I mean, yeah, it's very possible Alabama slips up. I would imagine not after the way they got embarrassed by Kentucky. I would I would imagine that they come out focused and really trying to prove something, and they've of course lost their their margin for error when it comes to the the title race. But you wanted to get to these last four games, or at least I did. Yeah. And you're here, you're in first place. Fifteen and three will win you the conference outright. 14-4 and four should still win you a share of the conference and the one seed in the tournament. That's kind of what we thought all season, right? That's what we got from the first episode or the first week where we talked to 
to stats by Will. He said 15 and 3. Then we kind of moved it to 14 and 4 is going to get you a share. And that's where we're we're looking as we get set for this final two week push. Is this possibly the two the the most important two week stretch in the program's history? The fact that they've got a shot at a one seed. Regular season, of course, only. Correct. I would imagine there's been times where a one seed was at least on the table for other teams. You know, like the two-week stretch where Tennessee became number one for the first time and then turned around and lost to Vandy, uh, maybe up there as well. I want to say, did the Grant Admiral team not have a, a chance where they had a, uh, could have played into a one seed? I feel like they did. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. But to be – or to your point, Bob, it's it's in the conversation. I mean, it might the, be it might be the answer. I mean, like when you look at the SEC title in the mix as well, four quad one games remain. In the in the timing of it, you know, it's right here at the end. It's, right. To, to end the season too, yeah, like you said, to, to get here your final two weeks, everything's right ahead of you, an SEC championship a one seed, locking in another regular season in the top five. It's as big as it gets. I don't know if I can call it the biggest in history just because I'm not equipped with all that knowledge. But the fact that you asked that and we don't immediately push back with three other things that are bigger, it, it proves the point. It's a rhetorical question. Exactly. It's gigantic, and that's why I've had it circled all year. I want to get to this point. You got – you know, the, two of your biggest rivals coming in to Knoxville. You're going to Alabama. And the South Carolina game that was once thought as a throw-in, it's a revenge game. It's a game you want to win now. Especially, like, after Tennessee showed you what they do in revenge games. I want to see if they keep that same energy when they head to Columbia. They had a chance to get revenge for a loss on Saturday, and boy, did they. Like, I want them to go in there and take it as personally when they go to South Carolina. As we sit here on Monday, Sam, what's your prediction for these next four games? What's the record? I think 3-1. and one. Um, I'd love to say 4-0, and oh, but I, I just think you drop one. You've just got so many tough ones there. I do, I do feel very confident in, in Auburn, and I feel pretty solid about Alabama just because they can't, they can't defend like we're saying. But that Kentucky matchup at the end of the year still is, is kind of looming large to me with, with how they're playing recently. So is Kentucky the win-loss that you think right now? I think so, yeah. But I even think if, to your point, that'd be disappointing. It would be, but if they even if they lose that one and we beat Alabama, then – I think we still we have it right. We have yeah, the you, tiebreak. Yeah, I think you, you you could go into that game with the SEC championship wrapped up. That may cost you a shot at the one seed, maybe. But right, and that's what you know. Of course, losing to Kentucky anyway is yeah. is always a missed opportunity. You want as many wins against them as possible. You want Barnes to have as good of a record against them as possible. You want them to kind of wallow in their misery, not give them the satisfaction of getting their lick back. Although, yeah, if you if you're three and zero heading into that one. On one hand, it's like, okay, that's fine. Let's get a loss. Let's reset. Let's go into postseason mode, re-energize, refocus. We're still champions. On the other, like Bob said, 
you maybe throw the one seed away if that was the case. Would I lock that in? Three and one with the one loss against Kentucky? Probably just because it gives you the SEC championship. And ultimately, I don't think the, the difference between a one and a two seed is hugely detrimental. I, mean, I guess it depends on who you get matched up with, but still, I think I'll be okay with that. Bob, as we sit here on Monday, what's your prediction over the last four games? I think it's three and one. I think it's three and one. Um, I am of the belief that if they beat Alabama and Tuscaloosa, that's that's where I think they may falter. And if they beat Alabama and Tuscaloosa, I think they go four and zero. I really believe it. So you think that's that's the game you're worried about? Is the game at Alabama? I mean, that's the one. Yeah. That's the only one where you're going to be underdogs. Now I do think that you're going to be very slight underdogs in that game. Yeah. Within three points. Because we, we don't like him, but Oates has probably turned in, you could argue, this may be his best coaching job. I mean, the, the, at Alabama at least. Uh, he'll have him ready. I really believe that. Now, will they have enough to hold off Tennessee? That's the part I don't know. I certainly hope they don't. But um, I think he's going to throw everything he can offensively at Tennessee because they sure as hell can't play D. Um, and now I, the more I start thinking about it, it's that whole reverse psychology thing we were talking a moment ago about in the off chance that Ole Miss takes them down in Oxford. Probably won't happen, but if it did, there's no way Oates and Alabama will just kind of free fall. They'll, they'll be even more wound up for that game uh, against Tennessee on Saturday. So I think that's the one that worries me the most for sure. Uh, Kentucky's going to be a tough game. I, I, I have no doubt that that's going to be the case, but I think Tennessee can prevail there. Sounds like we're going three and one with the loss to South Carolina. Then, if that's the case, <laughs> I was just looking at some of the history against Alabama. You know, we over the past couple of years, they've uh, the the only win we've had is last year. And, well, and this year, of course, but I mean, uh, the, if you go back the last couple of years, they've we've had close games with them. We've always played them closely, but. Uh, They've they've had our number more more than we've had theirs. So, uh, God, I hate Nate Oates. I just want to win. Well, we kicked their ass in Knoxville the last two years. Now we got to go do it on the road. Yep. But first, you got Auburn coming up. We don't overlook that because you know Bruce is going to be licking his chops, <sighs> salivating, wanting some gravy, and also wanting a win in Knoxville to kind of spoil Tennessee's. Oh yeah season to an extent hour one of the books we'll kick off hour two with some headlines that you might have missed over the weekend stick with us it's the morning show on fan run radio